Hey friends, welcome back to episode number 89 of the Bible's Babies in Business podcast. It is wild that not only is this podcast over a year old, there is 89 episodes. That's like, if every episode is roughly 30 minutes, some are a little longer, some are a little less. If every episode is roughly 30 minutes, that is almost 45 hours worth of content. Almost 45 hours, like incredible. Uh, Definitely more than 45 hours worth of me putting this podcast together. So I thank you so much, friend, for taking the time to press play every single week and hang out here with me for 30 minutes, twice a week. Thank you so much. So that being said, today's episode is a Bible study breakdown episode, and we are inside of the, the book, The Song of Songs. It's also called Songs of Solomon. Today's episode is incredible. Uh, it's also a little bit different twist. We're, we're taking just a little bit different of a conversation to the table. Usually we talk a lot about faith, a lot about business strategy. We talk about motherhood. We don't talk too much about marriage, but that is exactly what we're going to be talking about today on the episode. Here's what I believe. I believe that your marriage is your very first ministry that you are called to here on this earth. You know how, like when the Lord says, you know, go out into all the nations and like spread the gospel. I don't believe that God wants you to go to all the nations until you first spread the gospel and the love of Jesus within your own home. Because if we're going out into all the nations, which by the way, social media makes it so amazing that we can actually physically, not physically, but like electronically go out into all the nations and be home for supper. I don't think that God is impressed with us going out to all the nations and telling all these people about Jesus and, you know, spreading the love of the Lord if we're not also doing that within our own four walls and even more specifically within our own marriage. So today we're going to be talking about 10 words of affirmation that you can speak over your husband and over your marriage. I know that this is a topic that we're usually not talking about, but friend, again, here's what I believe. I don't believe that God is going to be impressed with a six-figure coaching business if your marriage is hanging on by a thread. So we need to talk about it, and I'm so thrilled to talk to you about it today. And no better book in the Bible than the Song of Songs to introduce this conversation to us. So without further ado, I'm going to go ahead and jump inside the episode, grab your Bibles, and I'll see you in a second. mama. Welcome to Bible's Babies in Business. Are you ready to start an online biz, quit your nine to five and stay home with your kids? Are you up late at night Googling online business ideas, how to market myself and how to get my first paying client? Do you have lots of ideas, but feel overwhelmed when trying to figure out which ones to focus on so you can move your business forward? Hey there, I'm Cammie. I'm a Christian, a wife, and a soon to be mom. A few years ago, I too felt drained by my day job and wished I could find a way to make money online. I wanted time freedom and the financial freedom to be a stay-at-home mom, but imposter syndrome kept creeping in and telling me, you could never make enough money doing that. And what if you do try and you fail? But then I discovered how to build an online coaching business from home. In this podcast, you'll find biblical principles for the Christian entrepreneur, 
online marketing tips to help you start and build an online coaching business from home and a whole lot of mom life because we're doing it all with a baby on our hip. So grab your Bible, snuggle your baby, and let's build your business because you were made for this. So I don't know if you've ever sat down and read the Song of Songs book in the Bible or Song of Solomon's, depending upon what, whatever whatever phrase your Bible used to, to describe this, this book. I don't know if you've ever sat down and actually read it, but it is a very intense and also a very short book in the Bible. And here's what makes it very intense. It is a powerful and very descriptive love story inside of biblical literature. Think of it as like a romantic novel with inside the Bible. And what makes it so powerful um, and intriguing and something that just really draws you in when, when you're when you're reading it. Not only does like everybody love a good love story, like we love a good love story. That's why romantic comedy movies are so popular because everybody loves to laugh and they also love a really good love story because love is something that we all need. It is planted inside of us as a need within us to thrive. So everybody wants love. And that's why I believe this book in the Bible is so powerful because it is a dialogue of love between a man and a woman. And they're speaking both to each other and they're speaking about each other with so much kindness, so much passion, and so much love that it can't, like, you cannot help but have these words jump off the page at you. They're essentially pouring words of affirmation over each other. I want to give you two examples of this. I'm going to first read um, in Song of Songs, chapter four, verses one through seven. And this is a man speaking about his bride. It says, you are beautiful, my darling, beautiful beyond words. Your eyes are like doves behind your veil. Your hair falls in waves like a flock of goats winding down the slopes of Gilead. Your teeth are as white as sheep, recently shorn and freshly washed. Your smile is flawless, each tooth matched with its twin. Your lips are like scarlet ribbon. Your mouth is inviting. Your cheeks are like rosy pomegranates behind your veil. Your neck is as beautiful as the Tower of David, jeweled with the shields of a thousand heroes. Your breasts are like two fawns, twin fawns of a gazelle grazing among the lilies. Before the dawn breezes blow and the night shadows flee, I will hurry to the mountain of myrrh and to the hill of frankincense. You are altogether beautiful, my darling, beautiful in every way. Do you see what I mean? Like this in the entire book is full of just this romantic dialogue, this romantic literature that just we can't help but jump off the page. Now, that was a man talking about his bride. Let's now shift to a verse where it is a woman talking about her man. So this is going to be in Song of Songs, chapter 5, verses 10. So now this is the bride speaking about her husband. My lover is dark and dazzling, better than 10,000 others. His head is finest gold. His wavy hair is black as a raven. His eyes sparkle like doves beside springs of water. They are set like jewels washed in milk. His cheeks are like gardens of spices giving off fragrance. His lips are like lilies perfumed with myrrh. 
His arms are like rounded bars of gold set with beryl. His body is like bright ivory, glowing with lapis lazuli. His legs are like marble pillars set in sockets of finest gold. His posture is stately, like the noble cedars of Lebanon. His mouth is sweetness itself. He is desirable in every way. Such a woman of Jerusalem is my lover, my friend. Now, I know that the way that this man and woman are talking about each other in this, these scriptures, it's probably, it's not really modern day talk, right? Like we wouldn't say things like your lips are like dripping with honey. Like if I said that to my husband, he'd be like, what? Like, are you okay? Um, so let's recognize, first of all, that this isn't really modern day language, but what this is showing us is that words matter. Words are powerful. We all know that, but do we realize just how powerful our words are. Like, you know, the phrase or like the saying that, I don't know, they say it to like elementary kids, like sticks and stones can break my bones, but words can never hurt me. That is baloney. Words can absolutely hurt and words can absolutely heal. And the Bible talks about just how powerful our words are in the book of Proverbs 18.21. It says the tongue can bring death or life. Those who love to talk will reap the consequences. And today, friends, I want to come and confront the cancer of evil talk, nagging, perverted talk, frustrated talk, complaining, anything, any sort of negative talk that we are bringing into our marriages. Because some wives are pouring Roundup over their marriage garden and expecting fruit to grow. When women nag their husband the second he walks through the door and then wonder why they don't feel the spark anymore, it's because their words have killed the spark in their marriage. If, if wives are, are going around with their girlfriends and, and husband bashing, that's a term that is starting to um, emit right now. It's essentially when a group of women get together and then they all complain about their husbands. It's called husband bashing. When, when a group of women get together and start husband bashing, and then they're wondering, why does he always have something going on every night of the week? On Monday, he watches NFL games with the guys. On Tuesday, he golfs. Wednesday, that's his, like his yard work day. Like he's out in the yard all day. And on Thursday, he works late. Yeah, he always works late on Thursday. And then Friday, it's like beers with the guys. Why is he never home? It's like he's avoiding me. If that's what your husband's schedule looks like, then honey, it might be that he's trying to avoid you. It may be that he's looking for reasons to not be home. Maybe he's filling up his schedule as a way to escape because he's finding that his home is not a garden of relaxation, of peace, security, comfort. It is a eruption of nagging and complaining and, and jabbing and bickering and fighting. And it's, it's who would want to be in that environment. So how can we avoid that as women of the Lord? As women who love our husbands, because I know that every single one of you here that's listening, that is married today, that is listening to this episode, I know that you love your husband. So how can we stop pouring Roundup over our marriage garden and instead pour miracle Grow? 
with our words. Because again, friend, like I said in the intro of this, of this podcast, it doesn't matter how much your business is growing if your marriage is dying. God will not be impressed with your six or seven figure coaching business if your marriage is hanging on by a thread. And one of the ways that we can tend to the garden of our marriage is by speaking life over it. One thing that the Lord brought me as I was outlining this episode is Adam and Eve are essentially the first two humans that are married ever. (laughs) And isn't it interesting how they were both inside of this garden? Like the first married couple ever were living and existing and working. And at first they were thriving. Then they started, then, you know, sin came and and it started, it was a whole catastrophe. But at first, before the sin, they were thriving in the garden. How can we use our words to help our marriage garden thrive? So when I say we're speaking words, it's essentially words of affirmation. Which words of affirmation is one of the five love languages. If you're not familiar with five love languages, essentially it is um, this theory, this this belief system um, by Dr. Gary Chapman. And it is essentially, he has narrowed down different ways that people give love and the different ways that people receive love. And what he found over the years is that there were really five categories, five ways that people give and receive love love. So I'm going to read through this list with you. Number one is words of affirmation. Number two, acts of service. Number three, gift giving. Number four, quality time. Number five is physical touch. So first and foremost, I would love to ask, you know, what is your love language? How do you receive love and how do you give love? That's important to know. For me, I My like number one love language is quality time. Lucas could bring home a thousand dollars worth of gifts. Um, He could, you know, uh, just pour affirmation over me. And I, you know, those things are nice. Like, don't get me wrong. Those are nice things. Like those would bring a smile to my face. But the thing that is so treasuring to me in my heart. The thing that would light me up more than anything is if Lucas came home and said, babe, we're, we're taking off this weekend. We're going to go on a little mini trip. Look, I bought us plane tickets. We're going to take off. You know how I've said to you guys, you know, my, my love language is like planes and vacations, like going somewhere. The reason why I joke around that that is my love language is because taking a vacation is essentially the equivalent of setting aside intentional time spent with one another. It is, in my opinion, one of the highest quality, um, intentional times that we can spend with another person. Like if we're, if we're blocking off an entire calendar week, if we are buying the ticket, if we're going to go, it doesn't have to be fancy. Like if we're going to go, um, stay at an Airbnb or go stay at a resort and we are going to intentionally shut our phones off, block off the world for the purpose of enjoying each other's company. Like that to me, makes my heart sing. My love language above everything else is quality time. Doesn't mean I don't enjoy the other four love languages, but it means that my number one way that I receive love is quality time. The number one way that my, my husband receives love is physical touch. 
So the thing that makes his heart sing is when I walk by him and I graze his his arm or I offer to rub his shoulders or when I, you know, squeeze his biceps after he's been working out for several weeks and I'm like, ooh, babe, like you are looking so good in that shirt, which is kind of like physical touch and words of affirmation, which we'll get to here in a second. But my point to you is, I believe it is so important that inside of a marriage, the wife understands her love language and she understands her husband's love language. How does your husband receive love? Something that's super interesting about the the love languages is that the way we receive love is often the way that we show love because it's important to us. It must be important to other people. And it's so interesting because just because you receive love in a certain way doesn't mean that your husband receives love in that same way. And so it's very important for for a husband and wife to understand each other's love language so that they can make sure they're filling up each other's love bucket. So it is so important that Lucas knows that, hey, your wife, like she, you know, the fancy date is cool. You know, like the the $300 shoes, he's not buying me $300 shoes. I just said that. But like the $300, you know, high heels, the Louis Vuitton bag, th- those are cool. But what your ri- wife really wants is uninterrupted time with you. He needs to know that. And on the flip side, I need to know that, hey, Lucas you know, it's nice that I, that I make his lunch for him. It's nice that I will pick up the house, make sure it's clean for him. Like he appreciates those things, but the, the way that he really knows that I love him is when I touch him. Okay. Whether that is in an intimate way or a non-intimate way, he craves my touch. So if you don't know your husband's love language or you don't know your own, I encourage you to take the five love languages quiz. It's a completely free quiz. It's something that you and your husband can do together. It's super enlightening and it helps you. It helps both of you to love each other better. So you can go to fivelovelanguages.com. Again, this is by Dr. Gary Chapman. It's a completely free quiz. I promise you that that is so worth your time. Completely free. There's no reason not to do it. And it will help you to love your husband better. So that leads us into the conversation of today. One of those five love languages is words of affirmation, using our words to pour life and to pour love over our spouse. So I wanted to give you today 10 different words of affirmation or phrases, if you will, that you can use with your husband to speak life over him and over your marriage. I, I, I came up with nine of these. Um, and then there's one that I saw on a website that I thought was, Ooh, so good. So I'm going to read through these and I want you to just kind of just tuck these away in your back pocket and try a few of them this week and see how your marriage garden begins to grow. So the first one is honey, thank you for taking out the trash. Or any other chore that maybe he does around the house. Honey, thank you for mowing the lawn. Thank you for making the bed. Thank you for making breakfast for the littles so that I could get ready for work. These these phrases, what you're going to notice is that these phrases aren't fancy. They're not long. They're they're not paragraphs of, of affirmation. They can be. They don't need to be. These are short phrases that have a powerful effect on a marriage when you use them um, authentically and intentionally and with sincerity towards your husband. Honey, thank you 
for taking out the trash, acknowledging something that he is doing. And maybe you're coming at this and you're saying, well, he should take out the trash. We're all, like, I take out, I, I do everything else. Like, that's like the one thing he does around this house. He shouldn't. Why should I act like it's like all so mighty for him to do that? Like he's doing one thing. I'm doing 15 other things. I, and if that's where you're at right now, I encourage you and challenge you to let your pride, your pride, pride, LOL, let your pride die. Okay. Die to your flesh, swallow your pride and acknowledge what he is doing instead of nagging about what he isn't doing. I, you know, it's so interesting how like somebody could do 10 different things and he, they could do nine of them right. And if they do one of them wrong, that is, that is the eyesore. That's the thing that really sticks out to us. If ever, if like people could do like a million things right. And if like one thing goes wrong, that's really where we're drawn to. And that's where I believe the nagging is coming into play. Instead of looking for ways that our husband is falling short, let's look for ways that he is exceeding ways that he is serving things that he, he doesn't have to do, but he's choosing to do. And let's praise him for that. So that was the first one, honey. Thank you for doing whatever chore he's doing around the house. Number two, babe, you look sexy in that shirt. Now (laughs) you'll notice that some of these phrases, maybe this isn't the way that you would speak to your husband. Maybe Maybe you would use different language. That's okay. Change these words to fit your personality. Change it to, to fit the way that you speak to your husband. Like if I was saying this phrase, what I would say to Lucas is, babe, you are looking like a snack in that shirt. Um, so it's okay to change this language to fit you and to fit your personality. But complimenting the way he looks in an outfit, I think that's super important. Number three, sweetheart, thank you for all you do to provide for this family. I see how hard you're working and I want you to know that I appreciate you. Your husband's main role in the family when it comes to like, okay, let's put it this way. So I believe that there are roles that the Lord specifically plants inside of a man and inside of a woman. That doesn't mean that these roles can't overlap because they absolutely can. But I believe that there is God-given anointing for certain roles within a family and within a marriage. So I believe that God has specifically anointed the man to provide for the family. That doesn't mean that the woman can't also provide. Absolutely she can. But I believe that the that God has specifically anointed the man to be the provider. I also believe that the Lord has specifically anointed the woman to be the nurturer. Okay. Let's be honest, ladies, no matter how much culture tells us differently, you are the only one that can have the baby (laughs) in the family. Okay. Your husband cannot have the baby. You are the only one that can grow that baby, that can deliver that baby. And I believe that there is a specific anointing over you to nurture that baby. That doesn't mean that, that the man can't also nurture and have this really deep bond with the child. Of course he can, but I believe that it is within your heart that you're, you have just this draw to nurture and to be present with your child. That's why you're here listening to this podcast. Many of you, most of you, almost all of you are here listening to this podcast to grow your business so that you can stay home with your babies because you have a deep God-given desire to nurture your child. Have you ever noticed that 
there is way more women that want to stay home with children than men that want to stay home with children. And that's not to say that it's bad if there's a man that's staying home. Of course not. But like if you line up like 10 different couples, most of the in most of the couples, the if anybody's wanting to stay home, it's the wife that like wants to stay home. Okay. So that's where I believe that there is a there are God-given anointings within the roles of a man and woman within a relationship. So when you acknowledge the role that your husband has and thank him for it, because his main role is provider, protector, leader of the home, it is essentially thanking him for stepping into the role that God has anointed him for. It would be the same as if your husband came to you and said, babe, Thank you for loving our children so well. You're such an incredible mother to them. I see you reading books to them. I see you waking them up in the morning with love and, and making them breakfast. I see the way you pour over our children. Thank you for that. That is the equivalent, ladies, of going to him and saying, sweetheart, thank you for all that you do to provide and protect this family. I see how hard you're working and I want you to know that I see you and I appreciate you. Okay, let's acknowledge the role that the God that God has over our husband and let's let's affirm him in that. That was number 3. Number 4. Baby, you have such a gift for fill in the blank is something that he has a really big gift for. So, for example, last night um Lucas was installing a vintage barn door on for my office. Um, I, we found this, this door for $7 at like a thrift store and, um, I really wanted a barn door. And so last night, Lucas, well, actually the last several days, Lucas has been pouring over this, this project and, and it's not for himself. It's for me. And he's been, been really working with like all this wood and like sanding and painting and hanging and like drilling holes in the wall and all, all this stuff. And so what I could use this affirmation is saying, Babe, you have such a gift for woodworking. Thank you for all you're doing to, to hang up this, this barn door for my office. You have such a gift for this. You're so good at this. So find something that your husband is super good at and tell him that, that babe, you have such a gift for this thing. You're so good at it. Number five, I'm so grateful that I get to be your wife. That one, super powerful. Number six, Honey, you did an excellent job on the yard this week. It looks so good, okay? And maybe maybe your husband isn't the main yard taker. Maybe he's not mowing the yard. Maybe, maybe that's somebody else's role in the family. But find something that is his role and compliment him for it. Compliment his work. Babe, you did such an amazing job in the garden this week. You did an amazing job raking the leaves this week. The yard looks incredible. I don't know. I just feel like men, like a lot of men, like it's the yard for them. I don't know about you guys, but that's what it is in my family. Um, so me saying, babe, Lucas is in the process of like raking up our leaves. We have like a million, a trillion leaves in our yard and he's raking it up and it looks so much better now that he's raking it. So I can say, baby, thank you for raking the leaves. You're, you're killing it. You're, you're doing an excellent job. The yard's looking really great. Number seven, you are the man of my dreams. Every man wants to know that they are fulfilling the dreams of your youth. Men know that women grow up thinking about like their entire lives about like the man that we're going to marry. Like even like the TV shows that we watch, 
uh, there's a lot of like media that portrays like the princess growing up and finding her prince charming like men your husband knows that you grew up wanting to find your prince charming and he wants to fulfill that role tell him that he is fulfilling that role for you thank you baby for being the man of my dreams. You are the man of my dreams. I'm so glad that I am married to you. That is that is just, see friends, this is what I'm meaning. Like let's pour miracle grow over our marriage garden. Number eight. Now this one I got from ourfamilylifestyle.com. I thought it was so good. It's a very simple phrase. It is five words, super powerful. I respect you so much. I can't remember where I heard it, but I somewhere I heard that Men really desire to know that their wives respect them. They want respect from their wives. And that's even biblical. It says wives um, submit to your husbands. In other words, respect your husbands. Let's tell our husbands that, hey, I respect you. I'm so grateful that you're the leader of our home. It is easy to submit to you. Okay, maybe not easy. (laughs) Maybe it's not, maybe it's not easy to bite our tongue and submit, but So maybe easy is not the right word, but I am grateful that I get to submit to you because ladies, here's the other thing. This might ruffle a few few feathers. You were never meant to be the leader of your home. You may or may not have a louder personality. Uh, People may joke around, ha 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 ha, you wear the pants in your family, don't you, Linda? Like you, but, but understand that you were never meant to be the leader of your home. That is his role. That is his God-given, ordained, anointed role in the family. And he needs to know that you respect him in that role. So let's tell him that. I respect you so much as the leader, the provider, the protector of this family. Number nine, you are an incredible father. Or if you don't have children yet, you could say you are going to be an incredible father. That would, that is so powerful. So, so powerful. Um, and number 10, this one, it's three words, super simple, super powerful. I love you, but not saying it in like a surface level way. Like, you know, sometimes we get in the habit of many times I get in the habit of I'll be on the phone, on the phone with Lucas and I'll just like willy nilly at the end of our conversation be like, love ya, Bye. Like, okay. Like <laughs> love ya, Bye. That seems very surface level. What if we were super intentional in the way that we said, I love you? Like the first time, do you remember the first time that you told your husband you loved him ever? Like when you were dating, do you remember the first time that you ever told your husband you loved him? Let's go back to that type of intentionality, that type of moment. I love you. Like that is so much more deep and powerful than love you. Bye. Like let's put intentionality behind our words. Okay, I'm going to read through them just really quickly, one through 10, and then we're going to close out today. Number one, honey, thank you for taking out the trash or any other chore that he's done around the house. Babe, you are looking sexy in that shirt. Or if you were going to say it like me, honey, you are looking like a snack. (laughs) Number three, sweetheart, thank you for all you do to provide and protect this family. I see how hard you're working and I want you to know that I appreciate you. Number four, baby, you have such a gift for insert whatever it is that he is really good really good at. If it's my husband, he's really good at woodworking. Baby, thank you so much um, for hanging the barn door in front of my office. You have such a gift for woodworking. Number five, I'm so grateful that I get to be your wife. 
Number six, honey, you did an excellent job on the yard this week. It looks so good or whatever it is that he did this week to um, provide or protect or uh, serve the family. Number seven, you were the man of my dreams. Number eight, I respect you so much. Number nine, you are an incredible father or you're going to be an incredible father. Number 10, I love you. Friend, again, this podcast, I know we don't talk about marriage too, too much. We had a we had an episode a couple weeks back where we did talk about marriage. Um, and I can tell you right now which episode that was. That was episode 81, how to keep the spark with your husband even when you're busy running your online coaching business. Marriage advice ahead. That is the title, episode 81. If you want more of this goodness of how to nurture your marriage garden, go listen to that episode. Because the point is, I don't want to just teach you how to build a better coaching business. I don't want to just teach you how to get clients. I don't want to just teach you how to make more money. I mean, don't get me wrong. I want to teach you all of those things. Like that is my anointing. That is my calling. That is my assignment to teach you how to get clients, how to make more money in your coaching business, how to bring more income in so that you can help to provide for your family. That is my anointing. But understand that none of that matters if your marriage is dying. Your marriage is your first ministry. So I want you to try out a few of these affirmations with your husband this week. Maybe you have to change the language a little bit. Maybe maybe some of these affirmations weren't quite in your personality. And honestly, maybe they feel awkward. Maybe they feel awkward because we haven't been pouring affirmation over our husband. And so when we try to pour affirmation over him, it's like going to the gym and exercising a new muscle in our body. It may feel awkward at first. Make these words your own. Make them fit your personality and start doing uncomfortable things. And what I mean by that is if it's not natural for you to pour affirmation over your husband, that's okay. That doesn't mean don't do it though. Stay diligent in it, practice it, and it will soon become much more natural for you to pour life over him and over your marriage using your words. Friends, if this episode resonated with you, would you do me a favor? Would you take a screenshot of it? Would you share it to your Instagram story and tag me at Cami Wilkie? I would love to see who is listening and who was moved by this episode. Thank you so much for listening and I'll see you next week. Hi friend, thank you so much for tuning in to the Bibles, Babies, and Business podcast. If you learned something from today's episode or if it blessed you in any way, I would love to know. You can head over to Apple Podcasts and leave me a review and I may just read your review on the show. Thank you again for being here and I pray that God would fill you with peace in your faith, your motherhood, and your business because you were made for this.